Blog Talk Radio.
Good evening from Duggan Nation. I'm Tim Despain. Uh, the way the crow flies, I'm about eight miles south of this 2.66-mile monster we call Talladega Super, Super Speedway, and he's Stephen Wilson. SpeedwayDigest.com. Just... Oh, all right. I slept until like 11 o'clock today, believe it or not. <laughs> I I figured that, you know, you've been tired. Just sort of let our listeners know, uh, you know, you were in Daytona, then you come up to the ATL, we picked you up at the airport, and we dropped you back off uh Night before last, and uh, you've had a you've had a busy, what fourteen days, haven't you, brother? Eleven days, yeah. Um, between I covered two, five, eight races in ten in about ten days. That'll wear you down quick. Yeah. How was your flight back, good lady, brother? I know uh, we got you there at the airport just about right on time. You know we had a. Uh, just like Suzanne said, tuck and roll. We dropped you off, and we got out of there and went back to the hotel and sort of relaxed and everything. But was the flight okay? Did you make it on time and all that? Yeah, I made it on time. It was a little windy once I got back up here. Uh, but otherwise, all right. I bet it was. You know, speaking of the weather here at uh, or this past weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway, uh, you know, we had drizzle and fog all day on Saturday, then – Sunday uh, for the Foz of Honor Quick Trip 500, we had the sun come out, but we had we had some, I don't know, probably 20, 30 mile an hour wind saving, and it was a tailwind going down the uh, back track back there at AMS. But uh, just so let everybody know, you know what all you did this weekend, which I was right there beside you. We 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 covered a lot of stuff. Uh, we got a lot of interviews, and uh, Brad Keselowski. That's probably one big story there with him. They had uh, they had Austin Cindric standing by because Brad had uh, sent, uh, flu-like symptoms, but I I had heard later that uh, he might have had food food poisoning. But uh, just talk a little bit about the weather and and you know that was a hard hard deal on Brad Keselowski being sick like he did. But I'd be damned if he didn't come in, if he didn't come in there and win the five hundred, bro. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, was, um, talking about that, it's just. He said that he was only about 70, maybe 80% or so um, in a post-rated interview. Um, that if it had been held the day prior, he didn't think that he was going to be able to stand up and even do anything with it. So uh, for him uh, to go out there, it was pretty, uh, pretty intense for him. Um, it was intense uh, just on his body, and the care center there was able to fill him full of fluids and stuff and uh, get him back to a point where he thought he could get into the car, but Bringing home, uh, um, you know, the four first points paying race forward this weekend, um, Penske Race and forward and everybody. Um, you know, he, uh, 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 he, I mean, we really didn't have too much of a conversation to talk about him most of the day. Um, a lot of the time was spent uh, talking about other people within the field. And, um, you know, Brad Kozlowski was able to come out there at the end and uh, win that thing. So, uh you know, it's just you know, it's just kind of like one of those storybook things that you talk about sometimes, and uh, you know, just the the battles that these drivers go through, uh, mentally and physically, uh, getting in these cars, getting prepared for these cars, and then going to run the races. Fall and for him, running full 500 miles over about three and a half hours. 
um, at 70 or 80 percent. Um, you know, uh, you know that that's pretty tough on him, tough on his body uh, to to be able to uh, to to be able to handle things like that. So, uh, you know, good for him, and uh, you know, glad he was able to make the race, and I'm sure that he's. Uh, uh, you know, once you once you win the race, you know it's a little bit different. You feel that that adrenaline starts kicking in, and next thing you know, you feel like you're about 110 percent. So that's right, Stephen. And just to sort of add to your point there, you were talking about. Uh, yeah, we really didn't talk about Brad Keselowski. We didn't really see a lot of him. We didn't have much to post on social media during the Foes of Honor Quick Trip 500. You know, you had your other drivers. You had a. Uh, Kyle Larson was really dominant. Uh, the four car, Kevin Harvick, he was really dominant. Uh, Martin Truex Jr., there was a lot of other guys that were up there, but it was like, you know, uh, the 42 car, Larson, he had his uh, had his deal there that, that sort of set him back. I think he had a pretty good shot of winning the, the race along with Kevin Harvick also. But like you mentioned, Brad Keselowski come on there. Toward the end of the race, it's like they finally got the car right and all that. And, I, and I've heard a lot of talk on social media. I know uh, Martin Truex Jr. had made the statement about uh, these lap cars. And uh, just to let our listeners know, at Atlanta Motor Speedway, which we had that new package this, this weekend, which for about six, seven, eight, nine, ten laps, we were bunched up. But then the longer it went, the further everybody got stretched out. And Martin Truex Jr. made the comment that the slower cars need to get out of the way. The, uh, Lap cars need to get out of the way of the lead lap cars, Stephen. Uh, if I can, I want to get your take on that. What do you think? Do you think the the uh, the one or the one lap down or more cars need to move move over for the leaders, or do you think they got a right to race right there with them? I mean, there's 40 cars on the racetrack. I mean, everybody's racing their own race. Uh, whether you're the leader or whether you're five laps down, you're racing your own race and. Um, you know, uh, nobody, you know, just like any other sport, nobody's going to give you anything. Uh, and, and, you know, for, for, for a car that's one or two laps down and, you know, maybe down because of, uh, you know, a penalty on pit road or a blown tire or something that offsets them. Um, but, but they feel like that they can run with their lead lap cars or were running with their lead lap cars prior to their penalties. Um, they have just as much right to be on that racetrack as anybody else. You know, I, I, we had a lot of conversation about the fact of um, Ryan Priest and uh, uh, B.J. McLeod on pit road and, you know, how, how people were talking about just, you know, Ryan Priest was out there. He was running a really good race all day long. And then, you know, a lot of people tried to blame B.J. McLeod um, for, for the incident on pit road. Well, you know, this is on the green again. It's, it's another it, – it, there's 40 cars on the racetrack. It's under green. Anybody can pit at any time they feel like they, they want to pit. And, uh, you know, they, they NASCAR NASCAR and, and should never make any kind of uh, uh, statements or any kind of rulings to, to tell a car that's a lap or two or three or five down uh, just to get out of the way. I mean, there's what's the point of any competition at that point? Um, yeah, I mean, once you get towards the end of the end of the race, you know, last couple laps, five laps to go, or something like that, you got two or three leaders battling out for the lead. I mean, you know, it's common courtesy for the for you to get out of the way, you know, not to bunch them up, not trying to, you know, because at that point you're you're not you're not trying to get back on the lead lap, you're not trying to get in the lap back, you're not trying to win the race. So you know, you're, you're uh, you know, you're running your own race at that point, and, and uh, you know, NASCAR will will tell slow cars get out of the way. 
but you know, as far as concerned in the rest of the race, you, you know, Martin Truex Jr. And, and 39 other drivers are on that racetrack. If he doesn't want to race around, let's say 10 drivers that were on the uh, on, on, not on the lead lap in the race, well then he can go buy his own racetrack and run a race all by himself to see how many people show up. People just don't show up to see Martin Truex Jr. And they just don't show up to see one of the other 39 drivers out there. They go out there and see, want to see 40 drivers competing. They want to see 40 drivers competing to the best of their ability. And if the best of their ability and the equipment that they're in is two laps down, but they're just as fast as the leader and, and, and they want to give the leader a little bit of a headache, well, then, you know, I think that's, you know, that's, that's just as much strategy and everybody has a right to be on that racetrack as the other 39, 39 drivers on the racetrack. So, you know, uh, yeah, I get where he's probably frustrated and probably why he feels like he may have uh, lost a position too or maybe not gained up on the leader as much as he would have liked to. But, you know, again, there's 39 other people on that racetrack. If you don't like it, go buy your own racetrack and run a race all by yourself and, uh, you know, see how many people show up every week. That's right. Just to add to your point, Stephen, uh, to let our listeners know, this has been going on for over 60-something years. Uh, it's called uh, – what they call it, a gentleman's agreement, like you said, uh, when it comes down to four, five, six, seven laps ago. Yeah, get out of the way. But you take somebody like uh, uh, Garrett Smithley was running his first Cup Series race there for for Spire Motorsports. He got he, you know, he had issues. He was down so and so, so and so laps. But it's up to Garrett Smithley to perform for that sponsor. That sponsor that's on the side of that car, they want they want to see that car on TV, whether he's in the lead. 60 laps down or what have you it's also a sponsor deal too you have got to do your best for your sponsor paycheck correct steve yeah i mean you got a sponsor you got a team you got commitment but you got to go out there and perform for every week and you know every every sponsor is totally different in the way that they look at it, and every team is looking at it very differently in the performance metrics but at the end of the day you still got to go out there and perform and you know there, there's 39 other race car drivers around you on any given week. Not everybody's going to be on the lead lap. Not everybody's going to be as fast as you. There's going to be some people out there that are that that are stuck down because of issues on pit road or penalties or, or an issue on the racetrack. But that doesn't mean they're just not as fast as you, or they don't have any right every right to be on that racetrack. They're on that racetrack because they're some of the best race car drivers in the world. And, and the teams show up, and the cars were inspected, and the cars were qualified, and you know, you, you, you're you going to have that. You're going to have that no matter where you go uh, in any professional sports or any even amateur sports. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, yeah, I mean, everybody has to go out there and run their own race. And, and NASCAR want, uh, has stated over and over again, they want you to race at 100% of your ability. If 100% of your ability is three laps down every single race, but you, you can jam up you can jam up a driver trying to catch a draft or jam up a driver to catch the lead pack to get a lap back or or whatever the case may be, uh, you you have every right to, to run your race the way that you see fit. And, and regardless of what the other 39 drivers have to say about it, you're the only one that has to answer to your sponsor and your team. Exactly. If I'm out there and I'm making minimum speed, that's all I can do. And, Stephen, just to talk a little bit about um, – 
this new package that we had, it's the first time that we've had it uh, since, uh, I know the drivers tested it at Las Vegas, but they had the air ducts there. We didn't we didn't have the air ducts here at Atlanta Motor Speedway, but we, this is our first race with a tapered spacer besides what we've seen at Charlotte Motor Speedway last year, which turned out to be a pretty good race. And like I had mentioned earlier, I think one of my comments, about seven, eight, nine, ten laps, everybody was bunched up. And it was a really good race. And also, let me throw this out there before I forget. There was a hell of a crowd there. Biggest crowd I've seen in, in the ATL in a long time. But I want to get your take on this on this new package. Do you think they need to tweak it a little bit? Or, we you know, it's still early. Like, uh, I know Mike Bagley. I heard Mike Bagley talking this morning on uh, the morning drive. You know, give it a few races. Let's go out to the West Coast, come back, get some get some races under this new package. I just want to get your thoughts on that, brother. I think it's too early to really honestly tell you what anything's going to happen with this package, either short-term or long-term. I know there's a lot of excitement around the package, but there's also so many unknowns around the package. We continuously heard it all weekend long. Every driver that you spoke with all week long, uh, they pretty much said the same thing. They don't know what's going to happen. They need to go out there and they need to gather the data and find out what's going to go on going forward. You know, Atlanta wasn't. It didn't have the full package there. They ran the taper spacers there, 550 horsepower, uh, but didn't have the aero ducts. I mean, they had that eight, nine inch blade hanging off the rear of the rear of the car, drag the cars down, slow the cars down about three, seven miles an hour, or something like that, whatever it was. But you know, in general, you know, we're we're going to have to get past these races in uh, Las Vegas, Phoenix, uh, California, come back from from out that way, get past Martinsville, which you know doesn't have the package there, you know, they they they're running a full on uh aspirated motor there. Um, you know, with seven hundred fifty horsepower so with uh you know, they're they're not gonna need the big blades and the aerodox are not gonna make a difference in a place like Martinsville. But they're gonna have to get past some of that stuff, start going in a little bit for further into the season once we start getting the places like Dover, once we start going to places like Pocono, uh um, Charlotte, et cetera, and then see where we are, uh, uh, middle of spring or something like that. And, um, you know, from there, I'm sure teams can start gathering the data. And NASCAR is taking cars back. They took uh, Kevin Harvick's car back this past weekend, so they're going to do some performance testing on that car. And, uh, you know, I think NASCAR and teams and everybody are just going to have to keep watching this package. And, uh, you know, going forward, when they get the data acquired, then maybe we can start making some opinions on it. And there's a lot of talk about Atlanta Motor Speedway, uh, about, I guess you could call, a lot of people call it the cheese grater on a good year eagle. Steve and I, you know, like you and I, like I had pointed out to you, when we, after we left the press box coming down across from the track, going back to the media center, there's all, that, there was just tons and tons and chunks of rubber that's, that was up inside the fence. And uh, to all our listeners, you, you need to go to Atlanta Motor Speedway. You've never seen nothing like it. But the surface is a cheese grater, Steve, and like I mentioned, it was last repaved, I think, 97 is what you and I talked about. Do you think it's time for Atlanta Motor Speedway to do a repave, or just what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> I said let it ride, because I think the rougher the racetrack is and the more can tear tires down, the better a race we get, um, to be honest with you. And I think that's what makes uh, uh, Darlington such a great racetrack, because, you know, again, it's another racetrack that, you know, just chews tires up. Um, you know, you you take a, a place like Auto Club a couple of years ago, where where it was 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 smooth as glass, and you could run you know nearly two fuel runs really if you wanted to without you know burning any 
and, and, and burning the tires down. Uh, you know, you, you get a seven, eight, nine second lead out there, but you know, the the more the tires get cl- uh, torn up, the more the tire and uh, the more the lap tires and speed start falling off. The closer the fields get, it's a harder pass too at the same time. So I think as more that people can slip and slide around, the more that she tires up onto it, the better race that we have. So as far as Atlanta is concerned and on its surface, I say let it ride. Let it keep going. Um, you know, uh, uh, SMI has engineers. They, you know, they can discern these things better than I can. NASCAR has engineers that they go out and take a look at these things uh, every year. Uh, but, you know, from from perspective of me, I'd say let it ride. I definitely agree. And, you know, last year, Last year, the 2018 race, I had uh, posed a question to Kyle Busch in, in the media center. Does he think it needs to be repaved? And he said the same thing you do. No, no, no. Do not touch the track surface here at Atlanta Motor Speedway. But, and just, uh, I, I took a picture, and I was going to put it on social media. I know you and I and Suzanne, we were we were down there. And time you see the pace car sitting in the pits, and the right front is caked up with tire rubber and asphalt and done about burnt that right front up. And the pace cars running at pace car speed, I ain't never seen that before in my life. And listeners, I'll put that picture on uh, social media. I was going to do it yesterday, and I forgot to do it, but it's a picture of the right front tire of the pace car there at Atlanta Motor Speedway. It was caked up, wasn't it, brother? I mean, the tire was about gone on a regular street car. Yeah, I mean, they tore that thing straight on down. So you imagine what you're doing running about 185, 187 miles an hour around the racetrack. And, uh, you know, those, those tires, those tires literally, we've seen tires coming off the court completely cording themselves. Um, and I think that was, uh, I think that was, uh, you know, something that was uh, interesting to see. We had some bone tires because of it. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's, you know, it is what it is, and I think it just makes for a better race. That's right. And let everybody know the number to call is 215-383-3681. I'm Tim Despain, alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. He's up in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and we're waiting on our guests coming up. I forgot to introduce who we got coming up. We've got uh, Director of Racing Communications from NASCAR, Mr. Matt Humphrey. He's going to swing by, and uh, I want to get his take on that on that package also but until we get matt come on Stephen. i want to play uh denny hammond was made available to the media center saturday morning i think it was and uh your 2019 daytona 500 winner let's see what he had to say in the media center at atlanta motor speedway if i can find it Okay, that was a great lead-in for our beginnings of our driver availabilities with the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series drivers. And we're leading it off with the Daytona 500 champion, and that is the driver of the number 11 FedEx Ground Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing, Denny Hamlin. Denny, I know you had a busy week, a lot of great media, a lot of great stuff coming out of that win. Um, maybe just talk about how the week went as a two-time Daytona 500 winning champion. Uh, it was good. Uh, it was definitely busy, you know, right up until uh, practice, to be honest with you. So it's, uh, it seemed like this time was a, a lot fuller week than, than the previous one. Um, that or I was just sober for it, one of the two. All right. If you have a question for Denny, please raise your hand. We'll get you a mic. And uh, 
serve here to box. Bob Parker's Fox Sports. Did you learn anything in that practice? Uh, what, and if so, what? Yeah, not really. Uh, it it kind of everything kind of drove like I thought it would. Um, you know, we made uh, one long run there to kind of get an idea of what it uh, what it was going to do, and um, you know, it was kind of status quo. Everything is uh, is, is kind of what I thought. Uh, I hadn't got to drive it yet. I hadn't done any off-season testing. Uh, I hadn't run in the simulator or anything like that. So. Uh, you go out there and you run you're just like everyone else. Your fastest lap's your first lap. Everyone adapts pretty quickly. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see, you know, when everyone's out there and you have you know, traffic in front of you, how, how the cars react. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Uh, Denny, this is obviously a track on restarts where the inside line has, has certainly had a lot of success in the preferred line. With this package, Will you further be penalized if you're uh, starting on the outside line? And is it a case that teams will start counting cars leaving uh, pit road like you see at Martinsville and some other places like that? Well, I, I think a lot of the reasons that the inside line was so uh, important is that uh, the top just had way more wheel spin, but with less horsepower, that should be a little less. So maybe not. I don't think it'll be as detrimental, actually, uh, probably the other way around. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, overall, you know, until I see it, I, I'm not sure. But, uh, I mean, in all series, even the, the lower horsepower, you know, truck series or whatever, the, the bottom always had an advantage. And it seems like anywhere with a tri-oval, Charlotte is one I can think of. Um, you you want to be on the bottom simply because your, your car is loaded properly uh, when you're on the bottom versus the top. So, uh, I'm sure there will still be a little bit of an advantage on the bottom, but I would think with less horsepower and less wheel spin, it should be less. Thanks, Mike. Danny Tanner's playing the Pit Stop Radio. Uh, we all know that this track loves to eat up eat up tires. Uh, about how many laps do you think that you'll be able to go on a set of tires before you have to stop for fuel? Well, last year we ran a lot. Um, I know we kind of had a back-and-forth strategy with the four-car most of the day. He, he pitted extra time where we stayed out longer because our car didn't fall off as bad. Um, his, his strategy worked a little better. Um, seemed like his, uh, he was able to gain ground through, the, through that pit sequence. So I think you'll be limited by lap time more so than, than tire. I, I think you'll probably go, be able to go you know, 50, 60 laps on tires, but uh, you're just, it's, it's probably not going to be best for strategy. Any further questions? Here we go, Jeff. Jeff Gluck from JeffGluck.com. So um, I'm assuming that probably like a lot of the big teams are going to go out together and qualifying. If that is the case, how are these teams or how is your team going to decide who goes first and who goes last and then has a better chance at the pole? Uh, our team hasn't even discussed that, to be honest with you. So uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I uh, you know, the, this track just wears down so much uh, and there's such a lack of grip that, I mean, I don't know that I'd want to be directly behind anybody uh, in qualifying. So, um, you know, we, we haven't talked about it. doesn't mean we won't, but it's we haven't discussed that. Uh, yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, but I, I see your point on tracks like this where there's an excess of grip. Uh, you're certainly going to want to go out there uh, and, and get some kind of draft. Um, I don't know how you orchestrate it, to be honest with you, uh, and who decides what. I mean, 
really the only way it's right is if it's everyone, the only way everyone gets an equal benefit is if everyone's spaced out perfectly. Now, keeping that last guy in line from lagging back would be uh, be the key because he's the one pushing the uh, the leader forward. So uh, if you can stay tight enough in a, in a, in a group, I'm sure uh, that pack would be pretty fast. But I just don't know about at this racetrack. Any further questions for Danny? Go to the back. Woody came with MRN. Denny, you said the package performed about like you would have expected having not been able to test it yet. Compare it, if you will, to last year's All-Star race. How was it different? Um, it seems like the um, All-Star package, and again, it's a different racetrack with different grip levels, but it, it stuck to the track a lot more uh, than this one, but I think it had less power, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, just with the extra straightaway speed uh, and lack of grip here, it just felt like Handling will be an issue and, and something that you really got to work on. Where uh, in Charlotte, we were just thinking about, hey man, how can we get the speed out of, you know, how can we get speed out of this car? I think, uh, you know, this weekend in particular, most teams will be focused on how can we get it handling right. So, Mark, and then. And Steve, and that was uh, your 2019 Daytona 500 champion, Mr. Danny Hamlin, in the media center there at ATL. Let's go and bring on our guest. We've got Director of Racing Communications for NASCAR. Our good friend, Mr. Matt Humphrey. Let's bring him into the pit stop with Tim Spain and Stephen Wood. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Matt, how you doing this evening, brother? I tell you what, I feel like I should be like running out on the court and, and and practicing my layups after that kind of intro. That's always that always blows me away when you guys introduce me like that. I mean, I'm uh, I'm 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 beyond honored, but I feel like I need to go at least uh, practice on a few layups before I start talking. <laughs> well, before you run out and do a running around a little bit, uh, we want to ask you a few questions. If that's okay, brother. That that sounds good, my friend. All right, Matt, uh, just um, sort of let some of our listeners know uh, what your role as director. You know, we've had you on the show a few times, but I don't think I've ever posed this question to you. Director of Racing Communications at NASCAR, can you let all of our listeners know exactly what your job is and what your race week slash race weekend is all about and how busy you are? Because I know every race we go to, you're, you're uh, wide open as a long-tail cat in a room full of rocking chairs, man. <laughs> that's a good way to describe it but uh no i work on the racing communications team and we uh you know we're we're responsible for you know being that conduit between the garage area our drivers and our media so at, at, at track we you know i help facilitate interviews um week in a week out and then uh and then i also help uh you know counsel executives and uh as 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 issues arise and I, you know, deal with broadcast partners and kind of like has, you have to be kind of a jack, jack of all trades, but it's a, you know, it's really handling the ad track media relations portion of it that, uh, that uh, takes up the bulk of my time. And that's what I love to do. I love, I mean, I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a customer servant and, and customer service is, is my trade. And, you know, if I'm providing good customer service, then I, then I, I get a great, great amount of satisfaction. So that's, 
that's essentially what I do. And you know, as you see me running around the track week in and week out, that's what I'm that's what I'm doing. I'm just making you know, trying to help other people get things done so they can do their jobs better and tell our story the best way possible. And Matt, uh, me and Stephen, we were discussing the uh, the uh, the asphalt there at, in the ATL about how how war it is, and I think I asked you the question in the media center also, which I know I posed it to Kyle Bush last year in the media center. It might have been a couple of years ago, but uh, from what I understand, some of the drivers they don't want the ATL to be repaved, and that's probably your take too, also. But I, but you know, sooner or later, Matt, it's it's going to come come down. We're going to have to repave that track, but I mean, it's just it's it's got character. There's just so much there. I hate to really lose that eating up them Goodyear Eagles. It's like an old pair of shoes, isn't it? You know, you get an old pair of shoes that's nice and comfortable that you're familiar with and you love them and you just, you know, you just don't want to part ways with them. And you're right. You know, that you don't want to, you know, you don't want to repave a, a track like Atlanta. And, and, you know, kudos to, kudos to Brandon and his team there who have done a tremendous job Ed Clark as well. I mean, just done a tremendous job with that surface and really keeping it raceable uh, throughout, you know, you know, as, as we all know, Atlanta faces some extremes in weather and, and that can, uh, that can cause issues with asphalt. And, you know, you look at what we faced on Saturday with, we had a, we, we had a basically a light rain all day, but yet we got two full complete races in. Uh, with the Xfinity Series race and the Gander Outdoors Truck Series nightcap, there. I mean, you you look at a you know a track like Texas, who had a similar worn out asphalt issue uh, with a different drainage system, and 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 you know if it if you know if you spit on that racetrack, you lost it for seven hours. You know we had we had constant moisture in the air in in Atlanta this past weekend, and we got two races in on that day. It's just amazing, and quite a testament to what the you know the, the the Atlanta Motor Speedway team and and the and the crews that were were hard at work throughout the entire weekend to keep that racing surface ready. It's just a good testament to, to their hard work. And Matt, my final question for you: Hand you over to Stephen Wilson, the one that blew Denny Hamlin's mind in the media center this past weekend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the uh, the uh, package. That's what that's what we were listening to earlier. We were we were actually playing that. And whenever you called in, I went ahead and stopped it. But I'm going to play that for the for the listeners after after we let you jump out here. But uh, the new package uh, uh, is it too early to? I mean, you know, uh, with the taper spacer that we ran. You know, we ran our last our last restriction plate race at Daytona. Two weeks ago, now we we got the taper spacer here for the mile and a half in it in Atlanta. In, in Atlanta, for the first seven, eight, nine, ten laps, Matt, it looked really, really good. And you know, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty sure is the track surface and the teams and all that. But on a scale of one to ten, how would you say that the new package with the taper spacer and this race that didn't have the air ducts, unlike we're going out to the West Coast swing, is going to happen. Well, I, I, you know, I don't, I, I'm not one to put one to ten scales on anything, but I'll tell you what, it really passed the eye test as far as a good race. I mean, you just look at the, you look at the passes that we had for the lead throughout the court. I mean, the leader wasn't checking out, you know, seven, eight seconds. You had, I mean, all three stages, particularly like that second stage, and Kyle Larson and, and Kevin Harvick and the battle that they were putting on for the lead. So, you saw Harvick take that traditional low line that he loves to do when he hugs that line and turns one and two. And you saw Larson work that outside lane 
right up against the wall to really get a good run going through the middle of the corner and, and coming out of turn two. That produced some fantastic racing for the lead that we saw from start to you know, start to finish in that stage. And then look at what you know, look at the end when uh, you know Truex, man, give that guy another lap, he probably <laughs> he could have very well won that race. So I mean you had you had you had a great battle for the lead. And look look at this as well. I mean the tradition the tradition in Atlanta is that you got you usually have a lot of long green flag runs, which leads to the field to get spread out. I mean, you you really didn't have that. You know, you had long green flag runs all the way to the finish. But look at the competition you had for the lead throughout. I, I thought to me it was it, it was a good race. It was a great Atlanta race. But you know, each track is different, and that's you know that's part of the beauty of our sport is that no two tracks are exactly alike and. You know, rules package or not, you're gonna have you're gonna have different you're gonna have different racing at each track. If, if it was all the same week in a week out, everybody get bored with it, right? So, um, really happy. I was really happy to see what we saw at Atlanta. Gave me a lot of a uh, lot of uh, optimism as we head into the rest of the year. And, and I'm, I'm telling you what, Tim, going into Las Vegas this week uh, on that that surface that uh, you know it's, it's a much smoother surface with a lot of grip. And I mean, I was out there for the test. I saw this package in action during our test. There, you're gonna you're gonna see things you you didn't you didn't ever think you'd see on a mile and a half track. So it's gonna be fun to watch. Uh, again, way too early to pass any type of judgment on on anything. We're two races into the season, and really one race into this into this package. So look at what we're gonna see this week. I'm I'm really encouraged, and uh, really encourage folks to tune in to Fox on Sunday as we. Uh, as we take on uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway at the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. I definitely agree, Matt. Listeners, listen to Matt Humphrey. You're probably going to see one hell of a damn race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. Matt, uh, before I hand you over to stevewilsonspeedway.com, thank you again for calling in tonight, and thank you very much for everything that you do for NASCAR and especially us media members. We really do appreciate it, Matt. Thank you, brother. Well, appreciate it. Appreciate you, Tim. It's so great to see you this past weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway and and, uh, and your lovely bride. So uh, uh, all the best to you, uh, to you and yours. Thanks, brother. Steve. So, Matt, uh, apparently Doug Yates was talking on, on social media about some engineering questions, and I kind of, uh, what is it, I, I, I dropped the media center on top of uh, Denny Hamlin. Is, is that what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what you did, my friend. <laughs> okay, no engineering questions tonight, but that's good because I'm not an engineer. <laughs> Neither am I, and I, I'm just smart enough to be dangerous, and I guess that showed through. But anyway, <laughs> uh, as NASCAR begins to transition, there's a lot of talk that the Gen Seven car and NASCAR is just going to go hand in hand. NASCAR is looking at everything. But what do you think, as you begin this transition, is that what what do you think that NASCAR fans should should be looking for? What should their expectations be going forward as NASCAR looks at the broad spectrum of everything from the car to the races that that go on on a particular weekend? Well, I think I think first and foremost you have to look at the fact that NASCAR is continually, and not, not just NASCAR as in the sanctioning body, but the entire industry from the teams, the tracks, the sponsors, the broadcast partners, us collectively, 
have have one goal in mind, and that is to provide the best racing possible for our fans. And that process never stops. That's why the off season is is you know the the month of the month of January. Maybe may in fact one of our busiest as we as we as we prepare for the Daytona 500 in the upcoming season. But you know we're looking two, three, four, five years down the road, and and and, and putting plans into motion that will impact the you know the future of our sport for the better and, and ultimately allow us to put on the best racing possible for fans. That is, that is by, by far the prime directive that, that everybody is, uh, is, you know, working toward in our industry at this point in time. And, and, and one of the reasons I'm proud to work for NASCAR. Earlier this week going into Atlanta, I had a couple of people comment to me on social media about how that they were uh, very enthusiastic more so this year than they have maybe in the past um, going to some of these tracks, especially on the West Coast. And, and they said going into Atlanta and uh, Las Vegas with this new package that their enthusiasm ha- has picked up and, and, and they're intrigued. And they're really intrigued in, in, into seeing the changes that, that, that fans and drivers and everybody continues to ask for are actually being brought to fruition. Where, where are you seeing the, the fans today? Where, where do you see them and, and their enthusiasm? Where, where, are you seeing it more now because we have some changes within the sport, within the, the cars themselves, and, and even so some of the driver personalities that we're seeing coming into the sport these days? Well, I think if, if it weren't for our fans, we wouldn't have a we wouldn't have a sport, and so that's why that's why NASCAR has always taken you know the fans' input and, and, and seriously. And you know, if we if we if we don't have fans, we don't have a sport. So it's a matter of you know serving our fans and and and, and giving them more of what they want. That's that's just good customer service, and so that's uh, that's that's you know what we're all about, and that's how. You know that's how we're going to stay relevant for for many years to come, and it's it's all because of the fans. I mean, I mean we have we have the most loyal fans on the planet, bar none. I mean, we talked about Saturday when I was talking with Tim earlier. We talked about Saturday when we had that day where it was just it was spitting that light mist the entire day. I think those, the fans that were in the grandstands for that doubleheader, I don't think a single one of them left. And when we had the red flag. The race because of weather was like you know, late, late in that truck race on Saturday night. Nobody left. Nobody got out of their seats, even though it looked like it was pretty bleak. That that the possibility of us restarting the race looked like it was going to be pretty pretty dim. Those fans kept their rear ends in the seats, or they were standing up where their seats were. And when we when we cranked up the engines that to restart that race, you, the, the, the 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 cheer from the crowd that was that was incredible. And I tell you what, I I I take my hats off. My hat off to all of those people that were in the stands who, who waited that out and who do that week in week in and week out, whether they're at, in in the stands or watching at home or listening on radio. That means their passion, their passion fuels what we do, and and that's that's it's only that's something that we're going to continue to do service those those passionate fans for many years to come. We've seen TV partners push the technological boundaries. We've seen them um, introduce things such as in-car cams back in the 70s. We've seen them now with helmet cams that now get inside of that cockpit. We have telemetry now that fans can see at home. What is the next boundary that NASCAR 
is looking forward to in order to bring the competition closer to the fans? Well, I think you're going to see a lot of things. And without going into specifics, I think what you're seeing now with uh, with some of the digital and social media products, I think that 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 we have currently that you'll see in the coming years, you're going to see you're going to see that fan engagement getting even greater uh, on the digital in the digital and the social space. A lot of exciting things in the works. I mean, the broadcast partners. You've seen what you know. NASCAR and NBC last year, how they raised their game, what NASCAR on Fox is doing this year. I mean, incredible stuff. There, there's incredible stuff that they're delivering to the fans on that television broadcast with the, with the virtual studio and, and all, all the technical elements that they're bringing into play uh, during the race broadcast. It's, it's just mind-blowing stuff. And so, I mean, the, 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 the sky's the limit on, on, on what we can do. And I tell you what, if we can find a better way to tell our story to our fans, and 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 do it in a, in a cutting edge way. Guess what? We're going to find it, and we're going to find a way to do it. And 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 I think fans will love it. Matt, I appreciate you taking time to come on here tonight to to talk with us a little bit about NASCAR going into the rest of the season. I know you don't have any sponsors. We usually ask people to to to, to shout out their sponsors, but let everybody know where they can find you out on social media. And much appreciated you taking the time to come on here tonight and talk about NASCAR racing in 2019. Sure. Well, you can always see, find me on Twitter at Matt Humphrey Car and on Instagram at Matt Humphrey Car. And you can also, uh, I, I encourage you to follow if you're not following already. I, I, I bet if you're listening to this program, you're following at NASCAR. So uh, absolutely uh, check out uh, what our, our friends at uh, uh, on NASCAR.com are doing and on our, all of our social media channels. So a lot of great stuff, a lot of great content uh, that's out there that uh, NASCAR fans can, can consume week in and week out. Thanks a lot, Matt. Look forward to seeing you in throughout the season at the track. Take care. Sounds sounds good. Safe travels to you, and I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Matt Humphrey there, Stephen. Uh, a lot of insight. Uh, one smart individual. He has sort of stepped into probably, I would say, Kerry Tharp's role that Kerry was 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 holding there at at, at uh, NASCAR before he took the uh, president there at Darlington Raceway. But uh, Matt does a great job. He takes care of the media. He takes care of, I mean, anything we need, which we don't need much because they always got it there for us. But uh, Matt Humphreys is the guy in the media center there for NASCAR at every track, Steve. Yeah, he's such an asset to, to the tracks uh, that we go to and providing us the coverage that we need on a particular weekend. Um, you know, I know those guys, they stay on the road a lot throughout the season. And, uh, you know, they're always on top of their game every time that they come to the racetrack, no matter how long they've been on the road. And he also mentioned too, Stephen, you know, I had uh, – you and I were talking about the uh, the question about uh, Mike Bagley on the morning drive. They were talking, is it too early to uh, – to, to uh, skepticize, if that's a word, about this new package. But just like Matt said, Matt said, even though at Atlanta Motor Speedway, Atlanta is, it's always been, they've always had long green flag runs at Atlanta Motor Speedway. That's one deal there. And just like uh, uh, Denny Hammond was talking, the uh, trial deal 
is a little bit different far as Las Vegas Motor Speedway where they're going to, where you got that D-shaped oval. And, you know, Denny said the bottom was the way to go, but we're going out there with this, this new package. And the way Matt said, Matt said, you know, he didn't want to rate nothing on a scale of 1 to 10, but he did applaud the fans. The fans stayed there. They stuck it out through all that mist and fog and everything. But I guess what I'm what I'm getting at, Stephen, is Matt is saying the same thing. Just give this package deal a while. It's going to bunch everybody up. It's going to make for some great racing. And I think this year, 2019, you're going to see a lot more fans at the track, especially like we've seen at Atlanta Motor Speedway Sunday. I, I hadn't seen that many fans there in a long time. I've been going since 2001, two, three, or give or take a few years. I'm probably telling how damn old I am. But anyway, he is sticking with the package. I'm sticking with the package. But can you let everybody know, uh, you and I, we keep talking, or I'll, I've been bringing it up here during this broadcast about uh, we're not running, we didn't run the air ducts at Atlanta Motor Speedway. We're going to run them at Las Vegas with the tapered spacers. Can you let our fans know exactly why we didn't run them in the ATL? Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't answer I that one. I was going to say, I didn't throw an engineering question at you, did I? <laughs> no, no, you didn't throw any engineering questions to me at all. But, um, um, you know, I, uh, yeah, I can't answer that. That one, unfortunately, I, I, I can't answer that one. I wish I could, but uh, uh, I, I can tell you where we're going to be running these things at throughout the year. But um, particularly, you know, why one track is getting it over another. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. Yeah, that one I'm going to have to defer to somebody much smarter than I. Was that was that Jerry Clare said uh, when the uh, what was it? I'm trying to think. His uh, his chauffeur, this guy. Anyway, this big smart guy was speaking at some university or something, and this guy asked his question on a wild danger or something. He the the chauffeur got up or something. And then the the smart guy was in the back, and I don't remember exactly what I was saying, but he said, that is so simple of a question. My chauffeur's in the back. I'm going to let him answer it. you remember that? <laughs> no, I don't remember that one. I'll have to I'll, I'll throw that out there on the social media. But, uh, Stephen, let's, uh, let's take a little quick break. I want to finish. Uh, it's going to start over. We're going to start that um, start that media center availability with Denny Hamlin there. Uh when you and I posed a couple of questions to him, and he was available to the media, your 2019 Daytona 500 champion at the AMS Motor Speedway. And we're going to take a little break and listen to that, and then we'll be right back after that. Okay, that was a great lead-in for our beginnings of our driver availabilities with the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series drivers. And we're leading it off with the Daytona 500 champion, and that is the driver of the number 11 FedEx Ground Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing, Denny Hamlin. Denny, I know you had a busy week, a lot of great media, a lot of great stuff coming out of that win. Um, maybe just talk about how the week went as a two-time Daytona 500 winning champion. Uh, it was good. Uh, it was definitely busy you know, right up until uh, practice, to be honest with you. So it's, uh, it seemed like this time was a, a lot fuller week than, than the previous one. Um, that or I was just sober for it, one of the two. All right. 
you have a question for Denny, please raise your hand. We'll get you a mic. And uh, we'll start up here to Bob. Bob Pockers, Fox Sports. Did you learn anything in that practice? Uh, what, and if so, what? Yeah, not really. Uh, it it kind of everything kind of drove like I thought it would. Um, you know, we made uh, one long run there to kind of get an idea of what it uh, what it was going to do, and um, you know, it was kind of status quo. Everything is uh, is, is kind of what I thought. Uh, I hadn't got to drive it yet. I hadn't done any off season testing. Uh, I hadn't run in the simulator or anything like that. So. Uh, you go out there and you run just like everyone else. Your fastest lap's your first lap. Everyone adapts pretty quickly. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see, you know, when everyone's out there and you have you know, traffic in front of you, how, how the cars react. Dustin? Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Uh, Denny, this is obviously a track on restarts where the inside line is, has certainly had a lot of success in the preferred line. With this package, Will you further be penalized if you're uh, starting on the outside line? And is it a case that teams will start counting cars leaving uh, pit road like you see at Martinsville and some other places like that? Well, I, I think a lot of the reasons that the inside line was so uh, important is that uh, the top just had way more wheel spin. But with less horsepower, that should be a little less. So maybe not. I don't think it'll be as detrimental, actually. Uh, probably the other way around. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, overall, you know, until I see it, I, I'm not sure. But, uh, I mean, in all series, even the, the lower horsepower, you know, truck series or whatever, the, the bottom always had an advantage. And it seems like anywhere with a tri-oval, Charlotte is one I can think of. Um, you you want to be on the bottom simply because your, your car's loaded properly uh, when you're on the bottom versus the top. So uh, I'm sure there'll still be a little bit of an advantage on the bottom, but I would think with less horsepower and less wheel spin, it should be less. Tim. Thanks, Mike. Danny Tanner's playing the Pit Stop Radio. Uh, we all know that this track loves to eat up eat up tires. Uh, about how many laps do you think that you'll be able to go on a set of tires before you have to stop for fuel? Well, last year we ran a lot. Um, I know we kind of had a back-and-forth strategy with the four-car most of the day. He, he pitted extra time where we stayed out longer because our car didn't fall off as bad. Um, his, his strategy worked a little better. Um, seemed like his, uh, he was able to gain ground through, the, through that pit sequence. So I think you'll be limited by lap time more so than, than tire. I, I think you'll probably go, be able to go you know, 50, 60 laps on tires, but uh, you're just, it's, it's probably not going to be best for strategy. Any further questions? Here we go, Jeff. Jeff Gluck from JeffGluck.com. So um, I'm assuming that probably like a lot of the big teams are going to go out together and qualifying. If that is the case, how are these teams or how is your team going to decide who goes first and who goes last and then has a better chance at the pole? Uh, our team hasn't even discussed that, to be honest with you. So uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I uh, you know, the, this track just wears down so much uh, and there's such a lack of grip that, I mean, I don't know that I'd want to be directly behind anybody uh, in qualifying. So, um, you know, we, we haven't talked about it. doesn't mean we won't, but it's we haven't discussed that. Uh, yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, but I, I see your point on tracks like this where there's an excess of grip. Uh, you're certainly going to want to go out there uh, and, and get some kind of draft. Um, I don't know.
how you orchestrate it, to be honest with you, uh, and who decides what. I mean, really, the only way it's right is if it's everyone. The only way everyone gets an equal benefit is if everyone's spaced out perfectly. Now, keeping that last guy in line from lagging back would be uh, be the key because he's the one pushing the uh, the leader forward. So, uh, if you can stay tight enough in in a, in a group, I'm sure uh, that pack would be pretty fast. But I just don't know about at this racetrack. Any further questions for Danny? Over the back. Woody came with MRN. Denny, you said the package performed about like you would have expected, having not been able to test it yet. Compare it, if you will, to last year's All-Star race. How was it different? Um, it seems like the um, All-Star package, and again, it's a different racetrack with different grip levels, but it, it stuck to the track a lot more uh, than this one. But I think it had less power, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, just with the extra straightaway speed uh, and lack of grip here, it just felt like, Handling will be an issue and, and something that you really got to work on. Where uh, in Charlotte, we were just thinking about, hey man, how can we get the speed out? Of, you know, how can we get speed out of this car? I think uh, you know this weekend in particular, most teams will be focused on how can we get it handling right. So Mark, and then back to Bill. Uh, Mark Garrow, PRN. Danny, how much do you notice the speed? What kind of difference does that make? Yeah, it's a little bit different. I mean, it's uh, certainly certainly a different feel uh it, to me it drives you know kind of like what I, I would imagine a truck would it's been a long time since i've i've ran a truck uh, on a big track like this but it seems like it's got the same type of straightaway speed i you know i might be way off on that but um same kind of characteristics it's kind of a little bit more lazy to move around especially in the corners everything's kind of going slower uh with the movements because you got so much more downforce uh so i i think Probably in a few weeks, when we go back to like a, a mile track like a Dover uh, with with maximum power or 750, it's going to feel like you know a thousand to us. So we're um, you you kind of whatever you run, you get used to it pretty quick. Did you feel the speed? I mean, like whoa, this is really slower than you hit the track. No, not not definitely not like it was at Charlotte where we were. You know, it's different because everyone's starting the season off with this. So we we never really had horsepower. We didn't have horsepower last week. Where Charlotte, we were coming off, you know, running major horsepower, and the next thing you know, we're running, you know, 450 or 500, whatever we had at Charlotte. That's when it felt major, major difference. Everyone's starting a new year. I, I would say that, you know, everyone, no one will think it's really a huge deal. Back to Dustin. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Um, Denny, you you ran uh, more than 10 laps or so. Was the tire fall off comparable to what you've seen in the past? And secondly, uh, when you get out to qualifying, will you need to run an extra lap to get the engine up and the challenge with, with as now you're dealing with tire fall off in that case? Yeah, you, you definitely will need to run the extra lap to, to optimize your speed. You just can't get off pit road fast enough for the first lap. Um, you know, the, the times are really close, though. I mean, if you can get a really good run, uh, certainly it can be pretty close on that first lap and, and give you a safety net if you do mess up on the second lap. Um, but uh, what was your next part? Yeah, the fall off. Uh, we fell off about a second in 20 laps. Um, I would say that's probably a little less than what we've had in the past. Thank you. 
Stephen with SpeedwayDigest.com. Earlier this week, Doug Yates was talking and answering questions on social media about how the components within the motors are going to be stressed differently than before. Has TRD and JGR talked about differences in the stressing of the motor with the tapered spacer? <laughs> no. <laughs> Any follow-up questions for Denny Hamlin, Daytona 500 champion? Okay, Denny, congrats again on last week. All Thanks right, for coming thank in. Thank you. Well, listeners, there you have it. What we've been talking about the whole show. Uh, Matt Humphrey from NASCAR talking about it. Stephen Wilson brought it up, and I brought it up, but we didn't get to get to it until after Matt Humphrey came on. So uh, Professor Wilson just blew Denny Hamlin's mind. Uh, to, from some of that laughing, listeners, they were not laughing at Stephen. Denny was sitting up on the podium up there, and he sort of took his hand and went like over top of his, of his head like it blowed his mind. Stephen, you blow Denny Hamlin's mind with an engineering question. Yeah, I seem to do that sometimes. It's sort of tough whenever you're smart, because, you know, I ain't near as smart as you are. (laughs) I'm not really that (laughs) smart either. I'm just, like I said, I'm smart enough to be dangerous sometimes. That's right. That's what you told me. Stephen, before we jump out here, we got one last deal. Uh, Chad Finley Racing announced they're foregoing the Las Vegas Truck Series race. Uh, We got the note on that. Uh, what's today? Today's February the twenty. We got a note on that last night about six thirty. Uh, do you have any insight? I don't want to put you on the spot. Have any insight on why they're not going to Vegas for the truck race? Well, first off, there. Well, I mean, they destroyed a truck there on the infield um, when it hit the infield grass, tore the whole front splitter and everything off of it. But then leaving the track, um, they. Um, uh, um, they the the hauler went out the wrong exit, and it um, it damaged the hauler. So they have some damage to the hauler, which had their Las Vegas call truck on it that they were going straight from Atlanta out to Vegas, and um, without a replacement, they're going to uh, have to forego. So. Uh... It would have been nice if they would have been here at Dago with the new oversized tunnel we got going in right outside of gate nine, turn three. But anyway, uh, Steve, I know we've, uh, I want to, before we jump out of here, I want to thank Matt Humphrey from uh, NASCAR for joining us. I want to thank Atlanta Motor Speedway for everything they did for you and I and my darling bride, Suzanne, this week, this past weekend for the Fosvonna Quick Trip 500 race. And we're going up, we're going to Las Vegas. This coming week, uh, this weekend, brother, uh, where I think the package is going to really show itself there. But anyway, can have you got the schedule brought up? I know I put you on the spot every weekend. Can you let everybody know the TV times, radio times, and everything for this weekend at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway? Yeah, we're going out there. Another three days of racing for for all three series um, this weekend. Everything's going to kick off on Friday with NASCAR, uh, Gander Outdoor Truck Series qualifying, 510. Everything's uh, Eastern time, so 510 Eastern time for the Gander Outdoor Series. Monster Energy qualifying, 740. 9 o'clock, 
the uh, the uh, Transfer 200, um, the 201 miles, um, 134 laps uh, for the Gander Outdoor Series. Uh, then on Sunday you have uh, Xfinity Series qualifying 12:40 p.m. Uh, four o'clock, uh, Boyd's Gaming 300, 200 laps, 300 miles for them. Then on Sunday, Monster Energy NASCAR, uh, Monster Energy <laughs> NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series racing from Las Vegas. Fox has uh, has it uh, on, on TV. Uh, PRN has it on the radio. Uh, five o'clock. Uh, no, I'm sorry, three o'clock. 330 uh, for Monster Energy Racing out there. 267 in the last 400 miles for Pennzoil 400. And with that being said, Stephen, I know you and I talked. Your next race is going to be Richmond. My next race is going to be Dega. But in between that, uh, do you have anything you and I might want to try to venture out and cover? You know, we can talk about that and just so well, there's no where they where they might see us next. Uh, you know, I know we got you got a busy schedule. I got a busy schedule too. But anyway, I will get with you with that on email or text or what have you. But again, uh, I want to thank Matt Humphrey for NASCAR. I want to thank Atlanta Motor Speedway for accommodating us this past weekend for the Foes of Honor Quick Trip 500. And we will be back live next Tuesday evening. Guest to be announced. Uh, Via social media, Stephen, let you know I'm going to try to get Russell Branham. I want to get him a uh, public relations director at Tyler Superfoot. We'll give us an update on uh, the new transformation deal. But, again, Stephen, thank you very much for everything that you do. Thank you very much for hosting my website. And you can follow me on Facebook at Tim Spain. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Lyman. You can follow at the Pit Stop Radio on Twitter. And you can follow our Facebook page, the Pit Stop Radio LLC. And until next weekend, Stephen, thank you, brother been a long couple of weeks for you and i know you give out and it was a long week for me but we will talk to you next tuesday evening from uh the man cave here in dagan nation uh i'm timmy spine he's Stephen wilson just right outside of richmond raceway speedway.com give him a follow and until next week we'll talk to y'all later y'all have a great weekend
world famous entertainment destination. For Pinsoil 400 Weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Gut-wrenching danger. Insane speed. Life-changing glory. It's NASCAR's fastest weekend at America's racing show place.